Welcome back to Love Lindsay, a captivating podcast that delves into the realms of our past and embraces the cringy nostalgia that accompanies it. Thank you so much for tuning in again, and I had so much amazing feedback about my first episode that I published um, two weeks ago. Normally, I want to publish a website, or excuse me, a podcast every week. However, we were on vacation this last week, which was amazing. My husband and I went to Niagara Falls, Boston, and we spent some time in Martha's Vineyard, which was so relaxing, and I always feel so renewed and baptized after swimming in the ocean. But now we're back, and I'm ready to talk at you guys again about things that I've written before. Um, Today, we are going to talk about a blog post that I wrote. So in 2014, I took my writing endeavors from pen and paper to digital, and I started my blog with Blogger through Google, and it's been uh, hosted by that website ever since. I just never have made... uh, you know, the transition to another hosting site. It just kind of sits there. It is um, sponsored by AdSense, which I had to get approved for. So there are some advertisements on there that I make a tiny bit of money from, but it's been quite an adventure. Um, I've had this uh, blog now, like I said, since 2014. So It's just been so much fun. I use it to write about my experiences, also my struggles with mental illness and mental health and how I use creativity to work through my issues. And there's lots of story times on there and deep, juicy things, some of which we'll get into today. You can check out my blog at lindsayloomis.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-L-O-O-M-I-S.com. So check that out if you want to read some interesting topics. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about my most read blog post of all time, and that is a blog post called Lingerie or Less. I wrote it in 2017, and I was 33 at the time, and the contents of this blog post were written ten year, about my life 10 years prior to that when I was 23 years old. So we kind of got like a little bit of a 10-year lifespan going on. Today's podcast episode will hopefully successfully intertwine the themes of love, blogs, and body image issues. And it's going to offer a thought-provoking and enlightening experience for you listeners out there. We're going to be delving into the unique experience of saying I love you at the Playboy Mansion, um, exploring the influence of blogs and addressing body image concerns. And this episode will hopefully provide a comprehensive discussion that invites uh, reflection and conversation. Um, It's going to serve as a reminder of the power of love, the evolution of digital media, and the importance of acceptance in today's complex world. After a brief intro in this blog post, I get right into the story. So just imagine that you are a young person at the Playboy Mansion during the height of its great parties, and it's 2007, and um, it's New Year's Eve, and you're going into the year 2008. So it was New Year's Eve, the magic moment when we crossed over from the year 2007, which is the year we met. That's Eddie and I, by the way, my now husband, into 2008, the year I hoped would be ground-shaking, earth-shattering, and mind-blowing, full of love. Aw, puppy love. 
So at midnight, balloons fell from the ceiling of the party tent onto the dance floor. 3-6 Mafia was performing on the intimate stage among all the party revelers and naked women. Eddie said something to me I couldn't understand. Or maybe I just couldn't believe it. The coincidence. I was going to say the exact same thing. What? I asked. I love you, he said. And I said, you love me? He said, I love you. Well, of course I loved him too. He took the words right from my mouth and then pressed his lips to that same mouth. And we did that dance giggle while kissing thing. And it was fantastic. But we've all fallen in love before, right? Right. I want to spill the beans on the crazy, emotional, and mental shit that was happening at this very same time in the background. So it was on Thanksgiving of 2007 that Eddie told me he wanted to invite me to the Playboy Mansion for the New Year's Eve party and to stay there in L.A. visiting with his family. For those of you who don't know, Eddie's sister was living at the Playboy Mansion at the time as a girlfriend of Hugh Hefner and was also starring in the hit reality show on the E! channel, The Girls Next Door. I found out who his sister was and that she was on the show when Eddie first started talking, but I never thought I would go to the Playboy Mansion. With his deployments in Iraq, being stationed stateside at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and my living in Michigan, it just didn't seem viable. Luckily, Eddie received a month of R&R leave after a particularly terrible tour in Iraq. He had just suffered the loss of seven men in one tragic accident, and the remainder of his deployment was depressing, to say the least, with so many of his brothers now absent. His family is from and all lived at the time in California. His two sisters both lived in L.A., and his parents lived on some property in the valley about four hours or so north of L.A., I had never been to California, and L.A. was the quintessential ultimate place to visit as a Midwestern girl stuck in the snow. It was a very, very bad winter that year as well. On top of radical winter weather, I was working the most horrible red-eye shift in the restaurant business. It was at the hotel on a beach in the dead of winter in a town known as being a tourist destination during the summer for the beach. Yes, business was dead slow. On top of that, I had the dreaded early morning shift and had to be there at 5 a.m. I'm really not complaining, though, as this was a hard time in America and we were on the cusp of a financial breakdown and Michigan would be hit hard by the failing automobile industry. Even as a college graduate, a food service job was the best I could hope for. At the time, I was living back home and had an amazing princess bedroom in the upstairs part of my nanny's house. I dubbed it the princess room when I was a child because of the ornate floral wallpaper, Victorian decor, shabby chic furniture, and it all combined into a cozy slanted roof bedroom with large handmade built-in drawers along a wall next to a closet and a gigantic antique silk rug that covered the entire wooden floor. To save money while I finished school and waited for Eddie to get out of the army, The situation was perfect, and I never would have guessed I would have moved back home at the age of 23 after moving out at age 18, uttering good riddance and thinking I was so badass. Ha, no. I was dating an airborne ranger. Think special forces training and jumping out of perfectly good airplanes into combat. Now that's badass. Sorry ahead of time, Eddie, because I know writing about that embarrasses you. (laughs) 
I've written here before about my battles with body image and eating disorders. And at this time of my life, when Eddie and I started dating, I was taking better care of myself. And I definitely wasn't obsessing over my weight like I had used to. I went from weighing myself multiple times a day to not weighing myself at all, knowing it would be a trigger for me to compete with the numbers on the scale all over again. Unfortunately, my obsession with weight, scales, and its numbers was replaced with the mirror and clothing size. So let's pause a minute and take a second from this story um, or blog post, for better words, um, to talk about the absolute denial I was in, (laughs) okay? I thought I was healthy. I thought I was just doing things that normal people did, but taking diet pills and not eating anything every day was not typical and healthy. But to me, because I did eat some things, and I was exercising every day, I felt like I was still doing the right thing. And that just goes to show you that even if you're starving yourself and taking diet pills and you go to the doctor and you're at a decent weight, you can still be deemed as perfectly healthy because they're not looking at what it looks like inside your head and how you feel about yourself and your body. I spoke before on last episode about the early aughts and how tremendously horrible they were for women's self-esteem and body dysmorphia and how, you know, the skinnier, the better, things like that. This is exactly what I was going through and what I was living with at this time as a 23-year-old. So was I underweight? Not necessarily, but I definitely wasn't being as healthy as I could. And in fact, I ended up, you know, starving myself even more to look presentable to what I thought would be presentable to this party at the mansion. So let's continue on with the story after we looked into that a little bit. Living back in my small and scenic hometown and so was able to go on a lot of walks to the beach and down the pier and even just the neighborhoods were comfortable to roam alone. Hiking the massive sand dunes that lined that particular area of Lake Michigan was a great workout as well. Man, I do miss that. And since my recovery from bulimia and purging, food was getting easier to digest, but I still wasn't consuming my day's worth of calories for the energy I was putting out. Anyway, I needed to know the dress code for the party I would be attending with him with my honey in approximately one month, and the invitation said lingerie or less. I needed lingerie to wear. What? This information kickstarted a whirlwind adventure of lingerie shopping, dieting, taking long walks in the snow at night during blizzards because being cold, quote unquote, burned more calories. You get the point. At this time, I felt immense pressure to look good enough for Eddie at the mansion while surrounded by the world's prettiest girls. I was only 23, so you can imagine how warped my brain was on my expectations. Also, I wasn't even the type of girl to wear skimpy Halloween costumes or enjoy purchasing and wearing lingerie, so I was completely clueless. That's odd that I say it wasn't like me to buy lingerie because I did have some lingerie and I liked to display it in my closet kind of to give it like a boudoir look. Also, I talk about looking good enough for Eddie, which is ridiculous because Eddie did not put pressure on me to look a certain way at all. It was definitely all just society and like how I viewed what people expected of me. Luckily, Eddie's sister, Bridget, was extremely helpful and helped pass information and pictures back and forth between Eddie and I in the weeks before, and I decided on a white pleated baby doll negligee with gold straps, 
a new color, nude colored full bottom underwear. My butt was showing under the lingerie and I wasn't ready to go all thong and butt cheeks. Either am I now, I suppose. I wrote that down at that time. See, I was 33 now and then now I'm 39. And just two weeks ago, I was wearing basically a thong bikini at the beach. So (laughs) I guess I got my confidence back. Anyway, it was finished off with a pair of retro looking, adorable gold sequined heels that brought a nostalgic 1940s era look when combined with Eddie's army dress uniform. I still remember having Bridget take this photo of us because I liked the contrast in the footwear that it represented. She snapped a photo and then instructed me to kick one foot back and ooh la la, this turned out so cute. She was and still is the master at all posing perfectly and for any type of photograph. And the picture I'm talking about is just a photograph of Eddie and I's feet before we went down to the party and you see his black jump boots, which are all shiny and black and laced up tall past his ankles. And then you have his dress uniform, green pants that are kind of baggy, but tucked in. Buckle up because we are about to talk about my first panic attack. As an old salty veteran of panic attacks now, I just have so much empathy for myself reading about going through this for the very first time. Um, It's just such a horrible feeling to feel like your heart is going to burst out of your chest and to have that undeniable, you know, state of mind thing, a voice in your head screaming at you that you are about to die. And I've had worse panic attacks since that very first one, but the first one is always absolutely the most scary, especially since I didn't get a whole lot of reassurance about what exactly was going on. So let's get back to my blog post. Approximately a week or so before my departure to California, I was flying out the day after Christmas. I was working at above mentioned, not so glamorous job when I began to feel a rotten feeling in my stomach and felt clammy and scared as if I was about to die. No, really, the feeling of stomach hurting, sweating, and then feeling imminent death occurred in rapid succession. I had never felt that way before. I tried to brush it off, but then I felt my heart still pounding. I was standing around not doing anything that rendered a pulsing heart. I tried to shake it off still and take deep breaths. I remember Kanye West, the new workout plan, was playing loudly in the kitchen of the restaurant. That beat was awesome, and I love that song. But during a panic attack, this beat does not help. This was it. I really thought I was dying. If any of you have suffered panic attacks, you know exactly what I mean. If you haven't, please consider yourself lucky. It normally takes many emergency room visits, heart ultrasounds, EKGs, and weeks of being up hooked up, wired up to a 24-7 halter monitor like a robot with electrodes attached to a beeper on your belt. This is old school, by the way. I think the halter monitors are a lot more user-friendly these days. And you do all this in order to rule out any heart health-related issues before you get your official diagnosis. You have anxiety and then some. You have panic disorder. And if you don't have health insurance, like I sure as hell didn't at the time, an ambulance drive from your job to the nearest hospital across the drawbridge was not cheap. I clearly remember my manager asking me before he dialed 911, are you sure? 
yes, I was fucking sure. I really thought I was dying. And he was just verifying that I was willing to get a giant hospital bill for a trip to the ER that everyone around me seemed to know exactly what it was for, except for me. I had people standing around me saying, no, I think it's a panic attack. I've had one before, but nothing can convince you otherwise in the moment. To the more experienced eye, the symptoms of a psychological event were all there. Everyone knew I was dieting, okay, starving pretty severely to feel like I was prepared for this event. I was popping diet pills like candy. I was working out multiple times per day on a diet consisting of cucumber slices and water. I know, I know, it was stupid. Though I had been dabbling in anorexia since I was 16 or so, adding the diet pills with extra caffeine and the nervousness of my upcoming trip was a perfect mixture for this bleach bunny blonde Michigan girl to go tits up and into the psych ward. I took the expensive ride to the emergency room, found out my heart was fine, but tests revealed I was anemic and my potassium levels were so low that I got a lecture from the doctor about who Karen Carpenter was and how she died from heart failure from the same chronic issues, potassium and electrolyte imbalance. I didn't have to go to the psych ward, thankfully. I had understood what had happened. And no, I wasn't skeletal looking, which I must emphasize as I always do. You don't need to look underweight in order to ruin your organs, your health, or to die from disordered eating. My mom picked me up at the hospital after purchasing some bananas and other much needed nutrients and spent the rest of the day napping with me on the couch. Mom to the rescue. My Christmas went smoothly, and my family and I gathered around the television to watch the premiere episode of The Girls Next Door, Patriot Dames, which was filmed months earlier when Eddie made a quick visit back to the USA and visited his family in California, and then, of course, flew to Michigan to see me. Watching the episode of the show seemed like a fun way to show people who haven't met him yet who he is and what he looked like before I left to fly out and see my love again. And let me just tell you, that was such a cool experience to have this TV show on to show everyone, like all my girlfriends, all my friends, be like, hey, this is the guy that I've been talking to. We've met. We love each other. We haven't said I love you yet. That's coming. But <laughs> we had met, we had, you know, we're falling for each other. And here he is on TV visiting his sister. And that's who I'm flying out to go see when I leave um, just after New Year's. That was just such a cool experience. My time in California was an incredible, incredible experience and Eddie's family could not have been more welcoming or nicer. I felt welcomed by all the girls at the mansion, the staff, and I felt like I had earned the approval of half himself when we lined up at his bedroom door before making our way down the famous staircase to flash bulbs and oohs and ahs from the crowd all dressed up or maybe it's more like dressed down maybe for the New Year's Eve party. We stayed at the mansion for several nights, and I saw so many amazing things and met so many amazing people. We went on picturesque hikes in the Hollywood Hills, and I must confess, getting my heart rate up still made me nervous at that first panic attack event. But I knew it was in my head, and I was on the mend. I took part in every meal, being sure to fill up on fruits and veggies. I was having a hard time reading when I wrote there, but I was saying basically that eating a healthy, low-calorie diet while going for these hikes in LA and at home was working out just fine for me as staying in shape to look good. And I didn't need to starve myself or pop diet pills from GNC. Um, but I absolutely still continued that behavior when I got home. So that's, that's a lie. 
Anyway, so basically I close on this blog post and I say that's about as brief as I could make it. And then there's an animated GIF of a happy new year 2018 on there. And that is the entire blog post. So what do you guys think about what I wrote? Having a blog has been, like I said before, such an adventure and such a great way to reach out and meet people. And I've really been able to bond with a lot of people through bearing my soul. And I view doing this podcast as another way of absolutely just opening myself up for all to see and to talk about and to discuss to help people feel like they're not so alone in their experiences, whether it's something like this or just regular day-to-day life, dealing with depression, anxiety, panic disorder, OCD, all of those things. I can relate. I'm here for you. And I just want to thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. And as I said before, if you have anything that you'd like to read, old diaries, notes, school essays, whatever you want, even blog posts, just let me know and we will discuss it and talk about it in all of its cringy glory. Thank you so much again and I will see you guys next week. Love, Lindsay.